Hello, this is Gregory Novak. This is The Cunning of Geist, Episode 79. Welcome back. The purpose of this podcast is to explore philosophy, psychology, and modern science with a special emphasis on the great philosopher George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. And just to note, as regular listeners know, we often explore as well the psychological teachings of Carl Jung, as well as the media theorist Marshall McLuhan, plus other philosophers such as American pragmatic philosopher Charles Pierce, French philosopher Henri Bergson, and the British analytic philosopher Bertram Russell, just to name a few, all of whom are relevant to today's world, and that's what I intend to do with this podcast, and in particular this episode, and that is to make philosophy and psychology actionable in understanding and acting within today's world for best results. Now, in this episode, I want to get at an issue that is at the core of Hegel's philosophy, and that is his introductory triad of being, nothing, and becoming, with which he begins his magnum opus, The Science of Logic. And in particular, I will try to show how this triad can also provide the basis for a success model for individual achievement. And I have clearly covered the being, nothing, becoming triad numerous times here in the various episodes of the podcast, but it never gets old. It always bears fruit when re-examined. So I'm going to start with that. In the beginning of Hegel's Science of Logic, at the beginning of it all, there is being and nothing, both, both being and nothing. That is because when you strip everything away from being, you're left with nothing. So being actually turns out to be nothing. They turn out to be the same thing. That is because being, without any presuppositions, is really nothing. There's nothing left. But on the other hand, nothing in this context is not just an absence of something, but it's pure nothingness itself. And in this respect, it has its own being. So it flips back to being being. So even though both being and nothing maintain their essential immediacy, pure being and pure nothingness, they each turn out to be the other. And this is Hegel's first use of identity and difference, something he returns to again and again. But what is key here is that Hegel demonstrates that rather than an endless changing back and forth, being to nothing, nothing to being, and so on, it settles into one new notion, and that is becoming. Each becomes the other. And now becoming is the central notion, the immediacy, the truth of being and nothing. So now this may sound like a philosophical word game, but it is not. It is absolutely important to understand this concept in order to understand how our world is made up. First of all, many ask the question, from young children to philosophers alike, why is there something rather than nothing? And we did an entire episode on this question back in 2021, episode number 29. And there I showed the four possible answers to that question. Why is there something rather than nothing? First, first answer is that the universe was created out of nothingness by God, as many religions teach. The second possible answer is there was no creation. The universe just is. Why does there have to be a creation? Why can't it just exist? The third is that the universe, in fact, popped into existence by some quantum fluctuation, as we observe in subatomic particles. And fourth, the fourth 
possible answer is that the question itself is a false choice, because both being and nothing have always existed. And I presented the argument in that episode that number four was in fact the answer, in my view. Both being and nothing exist as moments within the core reality of becoming. Now, I realize this is a hard concept to wrap one's mind around. We tend to think of being as a static concept and nothing as the absence of being. But this is not what Hegel is saying. His premise is that both are two sides of one singular notion, which is becoming, which is called becoming. Two sides of a coin, two ends of the same stick, and that is becoming. Becoming is the reality. The ontological reality is change, but not just random change, purposeful evolution. You see, becoming must constantly evolve and grow to stay ahead of nothing. It is life itself. And I believe this idea is easily understood in the context of the flow of time. The past and the future both do not exist, but the present moment does. But it will also die and go into nothing, the past. But at the same moment, the future will move into the present view. And both things happen concurrently, simultaneously. And there is is identity and difference here as well. The present moment persists in this identity of becoming that contains both being and nothing. The present moment is an identity and difference of the future becoming the now and the now becoming the past, which ties the two together as one in what we are calling becoming. Now, we've often talked here in the podcast about the right brain, left brain divide. The left brain is always wants to freeze things into something that is there, isolate something and freeze it. The left brain wants to separate and isolate, as I said. But in the real world, nothing is frozen. All and everything is constantly undergoing the process of change. And even if it doesn't move, it's moving in time. And this big picture process is better understood by the right brain. Now, what is important to understand is that underneath all this is thought. Thought is alive. Thought is life. Thought is comprehension. And thought moves. It becomes. Change is not just some blind process going on with mindless subatomic particles. Thought is at the bottom of it all. Hegel calls this the idea or the concept. But pure thought must actualize itself. And it does this through nature. It needs nature, its other, to provide the ground for its self-actualization. And this self-actualization process is what Hegel calls spirit or Geist in German. But it's the same formula, if you will, where being actualizes itself through nothingness in the process of becoming. The logic actualizes itself through nature in, in the process of spirit becoming. It's a three-step process, being, nothing, becoming, and likewise, mind, nature, and spirit. This is Hegel's triad, if you will, and I'm going to show in a moment how, how this can be the basis for a success formula. Spirit is becoming. It, it's, it's alive in the world. It's the basis of the world. It's what drives things forward. And it's an age-old historical process. It didn't start with with human beings. It certainly goes through fits and starts. It's been going on over time, over centuries, over millennia. The light, the life, and the love, and the freedom of spirit is increasing. You know, one big mistake that Einstein made, perhaps his biggest, was to think that time was an illusion, that there was only one block space-time where the past and the future all exist together in one one entity, like a finished book on the shelf or a movie that is sitting in the can, so to speak. Uh, 
But by itself, the book on the shelf and the movie in the can are dead. It is the live reader or the live viewer of the movie that re-experiences the life described in the book or the movie. So Einstein was essentially saying that the universe is dead. True change is impossible in the block space-time. We may think that things are happening and changing, but Einstein felt that this was just a stubbornly persistent illusion, as he famously said. Now, nothing against Einstein here. He certainly revolutionized our understanding of the world. But he got this wrong, and he never really accepted the empirical findings of quantum physics as the final answer. He felt there must be more, an underlying deterministic cause of the quantum weirdness. But he did deny the essential nature of time, of change, and of the freedom necessary to enact real change. And this was his big mistake. I mentioned the left brain's habit of taking things and viewing them as lifeless still lifes, like a painting or a photograph. That's not how real life is. And nobody pointed this out better than Zeno back in ancient Greece. You probably heard many of his famous paradoxes. We've covered them here before. Like you can never walk to the other side of the room because you have to go halfway first. And when you reach that point, you have to go halfway again. And this goes on forever. So you never actually reach the other side of the room. And also there's the one about the tortoise and the hare. If you give the tortoise a head start in a race against the hare, the hare can never pass the tortoise because he must get to where the tortoise was first. And by the time he gets there, the, the, the tortoise would have moved somewhat slowly, but he would have moved forward ahead. And then the hare would have to reach that point. And then by the time the hare reaches that point, the tortoise would have moved further ahead. And this continues on forever. So the, the hare can never pass the tortoise. Now, what this shows is that you cannot freeze a moment of time, that the left brain model breaks down in real life. Time does not break down into discrete atomic units. It is a flow, and we are in that flow. And this is so important to understand. Now, this brings up a big question. Who or what thought up this whole scheme? Well, we seem to be in the middle of it, and we also don't have an owner's manual that we're given at birth. Uh, we don't have a clue to what's going on here, other than our own instincts, our own capabilities, and what our thought tells us. And this can be a lot, actually. In fact, I believe it's enough if we choose to think about it. Now, my contention is that there is no other thing or being or God behind the curtain driving the process. We are the process. And I believe Hegel shows that it cannot really be any other way. Mind, thought is fundamental. At the root level, it can only conceive itself in a state of becoming. Given the dichotomy of pure being and pure nothing, and it carries this out on the macro level through spirit by overcoming the nothingness of the finite world, the dead world, the Einsteinian world, to a better awareness of its freedom. And this freedom is always a growth and evolution of self-understanding. But a key question here is this, why does mind need nature to do this? Why the struggle? Well, the answer goes back again to Hegel's triad regarding being and nothing. Being only becomes real by settling into becoming, becomes determinate being, being that is there. And becoming entails movement. Abstract mind has no movement. It's just an abstraction, an outline, so to speak, no movement. Because of this, in order to live, it must move within nature to become real. An analogy is this, a script for a movie. It's, it's a script, but it's not the movie itself. The actual movie brings the motion to the thing. 
Now, it is also important to realize that this process of becoming goes back before there were even humans, to the early life forms that struggled for greater freedom and awareness to allow for productive evolution. It goes back even further than that to the stars and the planets, which which evolved to allow conscious life to emerge. And it goes even further back to the Big Bang and before the Big Bang, when the laws of nature were actually established, most likely in a previous existence, in a previous round. And we've discussed this here before. It's an amazing concept. The laws of nature themselves may have evolved from round to round, from Big Bang to Big Flame Out or whatever happens at the end, again and again, to support this evolution. And this is the evolution of consciousness, of freedom, of light, of love, of life. And Charles Pierce, who I mentioned, held this belief that the laws of nature evolved. They evolved to, to, for a better life, to provide life, and they evolved then for life to provide mind. And several contemporary scientists also hold this view, including physicist Lee Smullen, who we've talked about here. So what does this mean for all of us? Well, it means many things, actually. First, we are the ones that are steering the ship. And guess what? We also, as individual finite bodies, fit into the being nothing, becoming triad as well. We came from nothing and we will return to nothing. And our mission here, if we choose to accept it, is to enhance the evolution that is proceeding within us and outside us during our time here. Not just to accept the status quo, but to move things forward. And this is what Hegel calls true infinity. True infinity does not mean living forever, but it means breaking out of the bonds and constraints of everyday existence to make things better. And when you make things better for yourself, you often make things better for others as well. You make things better for yourself by not taking from others, but by improving things for for yourself, for your family, for your community, for society at large. Now, I want to make an important point here. Oftentimes, we don't seize on opportunities because we are not actively looking for them, but they are out there. Allow me to relate an example. It's called the red car test. Red car test. Take a moment to think about the last time you took a drive in a car. Anywhere, you went to the store, you went out for a drive, whatever. Okay, the last time, got it? Now, I ask you, during that drive, how many red cars did you notice? Oh, you can't recall? Don't worry, neither can I. But if I told you to go out for a drive now, go anywhere, drive a couple miles, and I'll pay you 50 bucks, $50, 50 pounds, whatever your currency is, for every red car you see. And I'm sure you would be then actively looking for them, and you would find some. Now, life is like that. We have to have intention and intent. Once we have a goal, we begin to see the things around us that will help us succeed and reach our goals. As an example, let me go back to when I was first getting out of college and I was looking for a job. My father had me go to see a number of his friends to see if they could give me advice or provide me with key contacts of their own. And I'd go into their office, I'd sit down, I'd basically just say something like, I am looking for my first job. Any suggestions? And they would usually respond by saying, well, what are you interested in doing? And I would say something really, you know, plain like, I would like an entry-level position with career potential into management, and I'm a hard worker. And I kept repeating this in, in interview after interview. Nothing seemed to happen. 
they would say something like, well, I'm sure you'll find something. Good luck. And then send me on my way. After many meetings like this, one person finally confronted me and he said, Greg, you know, when you come into a contact to talk, it's good to have a specific goal in mind, such as an industry or specific service area that you want to work in and be as specific as possible as to the exact job you seek. For example, it would be better if you came in here and said, I would like to work in financial services, particularly the investment business, specifically as a financial advisor handling other people's money. Do you have any contacts in that specific area that I could meet with that might have an entry-level opening or that I could at least discuss possibilities with? And it was great advice. I realized that I was expecting the opportunities to come to me, but the world doesn't work that way. I needed to have a firm and specific goal in mind and express that goal to others. That's when things started happening. I needed to ask my father's contacts for recommendations in helping me achieve my specific goals. So I changed my approach and lo and behold, everything changed and the meetings went much better and I was able to express a specific goal which triggered a memory in the contact's mind and they were able to provide me with much better advice and follow-up contacts and I eventually secured my first job. As an aside, it was in marketing research, not financial services, but I just used the financial services here as an example. My point in all this is that the notion of becoming entails more than just getting by. It is about going beyond the given circumstances to create new and better opportunities. And one must actively seek for these opportunities. They are not going to just come to us. We have to go out and, and hunt for them. And the universe will respond. Our intention and our activity is key here. We all have dreams, and we can fulfill these dreams by having a specific burning desire. So, let's put this in the language of the Hegelian triad. The first element is our burning desire. The second element is the world out there, the reality of the situation that you have to deal with. The third element is to bravely enter this world with our intention firmly in place, to let the world know of our intention and actively seek to make it happen. I know this sounds real simple, but if one can break it down like this, I think it can help one see where they may have gone wrong in the past. For example, regarding step one, do I have clear objectives? Have I written them down? Have I told my goals openly to others? All these actions are critical for the first stage of implanting the desire within both in yourself and in the world at large. We're connected to the world at large. So when we implant this desire, it's in the world. And then the world starts to react. And next, regarding the second step, have I accurately assessed what I'm up against out there? What are the obstacles? What are the ways around those barriers? And there's always a way. Where the will is strong enough, there is a way. The third step involves action. One must act. You can't score a basket unless you take a shot. You can't make a sale without asking for the sale. And you can't ask for a sale unless you're speaking with a prospect. So ask yourself, am I taking the right action? And also, do I have a do-it-now propensity for action? Remember, never put off to tomorrow what can be done today. Often, it is necessary to act first, then evaluate, even if this leads to problems. A do-it-now attitude will get more results. Some call it the ready, fire, aim way of getting things done. And I believe this is a great strategy. Also, an important thing is Mike Krzyzewski, Hall of Fame Duke basketball coach, used to say, if you're not making mistakes, you're not trying hard enough. 
So in your daily quest, expect errors. Don't freak out when they happen, but but embrace them. If you're not making errors, you are not pushing hard enough. And also, these errors are some of the best learning devices for improvement. This is actually how we grow. If you try to avoid errors too much, you're keeping the status quo. You've got to really shake things up and get out there and do things. And and there will be some errors and you'll learn from them and you will improve from them. We don't want the status quo. We want to go beyond the status quo. So to summarize here, the metaphysical foundation of an 18th century philosopher, George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, can provide us with a roadmap, if you will, for success. I believe this to be true. And it is up to you and no one else to go for it. Are you up for it? I believe if you've been listening to this podcast over the last few years, I think you are up for it. So again, the three steps based on the Hegelian triad are this. One, think. Get that objective in your mind. Two, assess the, the territory. What, what are the obstacles that, that you need to overcome to achieve your objective? And the three, act. All three of those are so important. This is a simple process that can allow you to achieve so much. So that is a wrap for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate your time that you spend with these episodes. I look forward to your feedback. You can reach me on the podcast Facebook page at Cunning of Geist. I post there often in between episodes and we get into some really great discussions with page followers. So please like and follow that page. That's important. At Cunning of Geist on Facebook. Please tell your like-minded friends about the podcast. Help spread the word. So in closing, once again, I say, I'm Gregory Novak. This is the Cunning of Geist. See you next time.